It is August the 19th, 2023, 2023, right? And this is the future of photography. The future of photography. 2023. Are you sure? I, I think so. I'm, I might be from the future. So far. You never know. <laughs> so far, so good. It is the future of photography, our little boutique photography show. Um, Jeremiah, Adrian, yes. hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. We have a, well, how, how would we call this? A special episode or a, we didn't really know what to do episode? Or a a well, <laughs> That's what makes it special. It's quirky, I'll say. It's quirky. So this one is only picks, nothing but picks. And uh, each of us has brought two picks that we find interesting, noteworthy, uh, Fitting. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's find out. Let's find out. Let's dive right in. Yes, let's do that. Um, so, um, 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 I'll start with one that, Jeremiah, you might find interesting. Um, I've recently been looking at the videos of Vox, Vox Media, mm -hmm. and they have a series about photography, and they have a, like segments about cinematography and so on, and they made... Uh, short like 10 minute video about miniatures in film so movie miniatures and oh, nice. i'm pretty sure you have probably worked with miniatures in the I, past extensively i've worked with uh, miniatures extensively yes and and this is and this is just um yeah a, a bit of a dive into that uh, they have some examples like how does wes anderson use them or other filmmakers they have some like really prominent examples in there, including like behind the scenes stuff of E.T. and uh, Back to the Future and so on. And it, it's really interesting to see how many things, even nowadays, even today, are made with miniatures as opposed to doing everything in CG. Because uh, why not? I, ha I happen to think that using miniatures uh, in film, and this is just for me personally, Uh, is one of the most fun things that you could do. It is so fun to um, to use miniature, especially if your craftsmen are obsessed with micro details. <laughs> like you you kind of have to, but then you can also get away with quite a lot because people fill in the blanks in their minds, and it's real interesting. A uh, way to even combine miniatures with regular things. So this video, my tip of the day, is, uh, is, is looks into that, and it's really interesting because I'm pretty sure there will be movies in there that each of you, every one of you, knows. Yeah, everybody. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there'll be lots and lots of stuff there. Even just in the clips you're showing as we're chatting there, there's stuff. I was, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yep, yeah. I've seen yeah, that. I've yeah, seen yeah. that. I know yeah. that. Right. So uh, yeah, miniatures. Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny that 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 we were talking about miniatures, and over the last couple of days, just coincidentally, I have been playing with miniatures, and um, I'm not going to say too much. I'm going to try and post this photo. Um, I won't try. Uh, I will post it on our TFOP uh, site, which we can reference a little bit later. All right, but. Uh, There is something fascinating about a f photographing a miniature, either still or, or, or film. Oh, because you're not talking movie making now. You're talking art 
photography? Uh, general. Uh, mm -hmm. it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's really the same feeling that it is at the one end, it's hyper-realistic. And on the other end, it's surrealistic. There's something wrong. There's an uncanny valley aspect to looking at miniatures. And it, maybe it has to do with the depth of field. Yeah. Maybe it has to do with the kind of imperfection, perfection of the aesthetic. But uh, when I made the Avengers, we built an enormous, uh, enormous uh, miniature. Took up almost an entire half soundstage of so London. So it, it wasn't a miniature, it was a max maxature. <laughs> it, it covered a lot of ground, but it was, it was probably the tallest built, like basically Nelson in Trafalgar Square came up to your um, waist. So, All right. right. Okay. So, you know, call that a miniature. Yeah, compared to the real thing, sure. We'll, we'll put a link. I don't have it here, but we'll put a link to what you just talked about. Um, if I could find it, I, 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 maybe I could find some screenshots of that's it. That's fine. That's fine. But we'll we look floated at a balloon the next over. one. Um, Kono. Who is Kono? Or what well, is Kono? It's a German film company. There you go. I've actually know of them. Yes, uh, with very surprising and wonderful uh, film. You know, they they all look kind of aged or flared or whatnot. But I, I, I it's a fascinating um, collection of really inventive kind of aesthetics uh, that are film based. So, if you're um, a film photographer, that's I, uh, I, I would very much encourage people to you know to, to check that out and um experiment so what's the thing are these pre uh, pre-stressed uh, or distressed uh, films before you shoot them is that how they do that through through um pre-exposure i think there's some of that because i, I believe they use um they use well we have done a bit of research into those. I think they use pre, like like regular stock, and then do something to it to make that. But uh, this is this is just a guess, so I don't have any behind the scenes information. But they look very interesting because they have like different black levels or different um, that color shifts in different areas of the of the brightness spectrum and so on, which gives you very cool results. I, like ha I have shot with some sort of pre. Exposed or pre-stressed films, uh, things like double films and stuff like that, that that um, have uh, you know some effects on them, as it were, that so that they're not standard emulsions. Um, they can be really good fun. Uh, they are they um, you used sparingly, I think, in my own case, um, <laughs> used because yeah. because you know it it's uh, they're often they're quite strong effects, which is which is great. Um, but but you wouldn't perhaps want to look at a whole book of of things that had you know similar effects so unless of course that was a you know a, a part of a, a an artistic intent i suppose that you you could have an, an adult i think it's what what's fun with uh, emulsions like that is uh, especially with your point and shoot cameras with your underwater cameras with your knockabout cameras that are film based is just being very um, loose with it in other words, don't be precious, snap a lot of stuff, don't try hard, just see what comes. 
then of course the post-production of these things become even more or less important because it could come out of the box perfectly or you could enhance what's there. Yeah. Um, there's the, I, I would call it the happy accident <laughs> yeah, style yeah. of shooting. Yeah. And that is very exciting to go out into the world without any intention, any aesthetic, any exploratory kind of focus and just, just shoot what, you know, what captures you or what inspires you or close your eyes and shoot stuff around you. Um, hold it away from your body. Don't look at the viewfinder. Don't try. And then be surprised at the results. Yeah. And then use those results to maybe further or explore a real intention of capturing and, uh, you know, combine it with digital or not. But I think these things are very exciting, especially for photographers who've, quote, hit a wall or uninspired. They don't feel extremely inspired to go and do another project, whether it's kind of formal or not, whether it's film or digital. What are we going to do? And that really loosens it up. It's almost like journaling or automatic writing or those kinds of things that loosen the, the kind of aesthetic loosen the mind, uh, just get you back in touch with kind of the automatic aspects of creating. And often that leads down very interesting paths. And, fil but, and film can help you because it takes care of a lot of things for you. Yeah. Now, by the way, in the TFOP um, aesthetic, uh, you know, uh, uh, photo, if uh, you can bring that up, I have a, f quote, photograph of something that I've been playing with lately that is directly linked to miniatures. I have and to find that first yeah. and then I so have to bring that up here. You could have warned me. Uh, well, <laughs> I didn't know. I think he's only just put it there, Chris. So I just uh, put it there. It would be at the, yeah. the bottom or the top of the page. And it's, uh, in fact, a miniature. You so is this te so uh, well? Uh, tell us about it, Jeremiah. Is this uh, is this it's, the one you were talking about from the film? No, 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 no. This is something. That oh, this I've is what you've been creating. doing recently. Yeah, it's something right. that I've been creating. And uh, let's let's go to. I did put it in. Yeah, there it is in the future photography. Yes, it should be there, but it's um, it's, it's taking there. a while to show up yeah. here. So anyway, anyway, we'll come. We back can to it. we, we, we can come, come back, back to it uh, when it comes to here. We go. There there we go. There we go. There we go. Oh, right. Well, you know, um, if you would look at that, and I've, I've, you know, I've been exploring. Did you did you build that, or did you, or did <laughs> you did you have some <laughs> <laughs> something make it for you? Yeah, I, I employed a variety of, of uh, technical <laughs> and software applications in order, you there. <laughs> in order to create the sense of a miniature. Mm -hmm. um, it does look like one, yes. Yeah, and, and uh, it's fascinating. The lighting uh, worked out really, really well. It, it, there's an absurdity to it. Um, and I, I do have a series that I'm working on of these things. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not even going to call them, you know, pictures that would be art artistic. They're, they're really a mechanical exploration of that very thing, of what makes a miniature feel so special make it feel so um, right. precious 
Um, and I guess it's our, uh, we can go back to, you know, toy trains, right? And, and uh, you know, why are, you know, a whole subset of, of culture uh, obsessed with building toy train sets and building the little farmlands and urban areas and bridges. It's coming back now. It's it's actually coming back. There's a lot of that happening with uh, in photography. I see a lot of tabletop stuff that people get really interested in, including very like 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 action figures and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, uh, what do you think explains this? Is it the necessity to try and? Um, have some control over one's life. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I, I think it's just the fun of making things. Of making things. It's a. We we are. We're at least some parts of the society are moving back into making things yourself. Be that. Be that um, cooking or gardening or, or woodworking. Um, those th th those programs on on YouTube have like huge followings now. People that do these kind of things. So I, yeah. Um, I yeah, think it's an antidote. It's an antidote to living digitally as well. Very, like, very in, in true. Yeah, you know, and or or maybe even just working. I mean, you know, here in the UK, it's often said that you know a person's hobby might be almost yeah you know, in some way opposite to what they do for a living. You know, so yeah, um, you know, uh, my my dad was a good example of this actually. He you know an accountant by day and a keen gardener at the weekends, right? There you you go. Know, and, and doing things with his hands rather than li working in an office all week as as one did in those days. Um, yeah, you know, I now spend an awful lot of my time in front of uh, a laptop and a, and a camera and things like that, and as as part of my day to day work, which. Uh, which sometimes I'll, I'll be honest, sometimes makes podcasting hard to turn up for. Um, but the uh, we, we should we should we should probably use like a proper RE film movie camera for your podcasting endeavors. Like that, so, yeah. Yeah. But the um, but you know, so I I like to be out and about, and and the break I just had, you know, to Canada recently, I was avoiding screens as much as I possibly could, and you know, feel that, much yeah. much better for it. I was out yeah. to, to lunch with some friends of mine, and, and uh, both kind of sophisticated one, uh, a, a writer, not a screenwriter, a novelist or book writer, the other one a technologist, um, and, and we, were, we were talking about the emergence of a kind of Luddite culture that will emerge or should emerge or is emerging as a response to living in the digital universe. Um, okay, uh, we, I can see that, yes. We were focused a lot on music um, and, and getting back to very basic singer-songwriter, very, very spare recording sessions. Um, that kind of thing, even painting, um, life painting and all of that. Um, so I, it wouldn't surprise me if, if a generation, maybe Gen Z, um, would come out with a counterculture that is... Um, very much focused on the anti-digital, not to give up the digital, right? because I don't think that's in the realm, but, but, I, but I think to also play in the world of maker, uh, small groups, uh, interactivity, and, and, and the like. I mean, the, the gallery that I'm involved with or the art organization, Bright Moments, their success is really based on, they are focused um, primarily on, on generative digital art. Um, it, their success is based on, in real life, IRL uh, meetups, 
and sharing information. In other words, it doesn't work online. It's really about creating a community of artists, collectors, appreciators, you call it collectors. Speaking of community, next one up on our picks is this one. Adrian. Oh, this is one that I've brought. So um, okay. this is uh, I, I, one thing I love to read um, is the, I don't know if you'd call it a blog. It's more of a, a showcase in some ways uh, of the Magnum Photos Agency. Uh, and you know what they what you tend to get for, you know whether you get it on an RSS feed or however you choose to to, to receive it um, is you'll get a link to an article that draws from the archives it's got a bit of narrative and an and explanation about it this one jumped out at me um, many jump out at me uh, so this this is but one example of some really great stuff that I use for inspiration and just to enjoy um, uh, and this one because it happens to be geographically quite close to me just the other side of London in the county of Essex um, Essex is a is a county in the UK that has a very uh, has quite a stereotypical cliched um, uh, uh, reputation let's say Essex girls uh, that too yes that's definitely part of it Um, and uh, you know this is a a a piece of work done by Magnum uh, photographers that actually looks at you know what else is there of course what's really there what is it really like beyond you get beyond the cliches uh, and how it is that you know actually um, you know what what goes on there Um, all all around different areas and so there's some some quite what I would call quite normal photos you know they're quite uh, uh, there's nothing flash about them They're, they're sort of shot in a documentary style outdoors is you know take it as you find it kind of thing um but they're well put, composed though they're very they are well composed yeah of, and, i mean and, that's and, their and, that's their life really yes yeah and and of course this is one of the things that you get from if if your reading is magnum photos uh, as a you know for, from an agency like that or a equivalent as opposed to scrolling through social media you get you get a much higher quality of work on average. I'm not saying that everything on Instagram is bad because clearly it's not, but um, you know, it just that there's more depth to what you get. If you, if you dig, if you dig deeper, there's more depth. Well, not really very surprising <laughs> thing to, not very surprising thing to oh, say, is it? But there you go. So everybody should, everybody should you know, subscribe to the Magnum blog or feed or whatever it's called. All right. And your second pick is coming up oh, here, which is, 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 is it, is it about photography? Uh, sort of. <laughs> it's sort about of. well. I, I see a page that is full with different kinds of captures. Yeah. So that, so again, this is another another blog that um uh, that many many of our listeners will, will know, which is the the uh, the blog of Seth Godin, um, and he he's written style is often you sometimes you only get like half a paragraph as a blog post and sometimes you get a little bit more but it's always you know well grounded and and thought through and and or and or poses a uh, an interesting question um this one says actually um you know new research shows that computers and robots are now better at solving capture puzzles than humans <laughs> and <laughs> and of course including the photo based captures not just the letter based but the click all uh, traffic lights kind of thing can I, can I throw yes. a question at the group? Sure. Uh, do you think, let's just kind of go forward as we are uh, known to do uh, in terms of the future. 
And um, we walk into a gallery somewhere and we see a collection of beautifully printed photo, you know, uh, photographs um, of CAPTCHA screens, like 40 of them, <laughs> just as, as an aesthetic, you Maybe. know, staircases, traffic signals, crosswalks, <laughs> you know, well, motorcycles. So that, do you know what that reminds me? That reminds me in a couple of ways of the movie Demolition Man. Uh, which, if you remember, was Wesley Snipes and Sylvester Stallone and Sandra Bullock, amongst others. Um, and there's two things in there. One is um, that in the post-apocalyptic rebuild, um, there was a thing called, I think, the Restaurant Wars. And the winner of the Restaurant Wars was Taco Bell. Um, and that meant that every restaurant in the world was a Taco Bell restaurant. And wow. which, which was funny at the time, you know, I guess, in the... Uh, I don't know if it'd still be known this way, but certainly at the time of making the film in the early nineties or whenever it was, yeah, very no, much known as a fast food chain, um, not, not a, a, a high profile restaurant. I, I think that movie but, was directed by Marco Brambia, unless I'm mistaken. Uh, I don't know. Interestingly, there is a European version because Taco Bell didn't exist in Europe at the time. Oh, um, really? And there's a European version where they've replaced it all with Pizza Hut. So they've changed the logos <laughs> in the film and they've dubbed and they've dubbed the and. Um, somebody I've never seen it, but somebody brought it to my attention not so long ago that there's actually a European version. I have the a other th sorry, the other, just one other thing. The other thing in that movie um, is is the uh, is is a post password um, security method. So not using captures, not using passwords, but instead using retinal scans. Um, I guess these days we have Face ID, but I think there's a scene in it where. Um, Wesley Snipes, who plays the bad guy, has killed some prison guard or something. And to get out of the prison, he has to have the eye of the prison guard on a stick so that he could show it at the scanner. So, But, but the other day I saw um, a, one of these forensic cop shows. I forget which one, a British one. Um, uh, and they, they, they would simply hold up the victim's mobile phone to the victim's face <laughs> uh, just to unlock the phone. Because like, the dead face is still the face, right? By the yeah. way, just a shout out, um, Marco Brambia, who did, in fact, direct uh, Demolition Man, who I, I knew very, very well when I was beginning my career uh, as a commercial director. He was an, uh, an assistant um, in our production company and uh, went on to direct movies, but has now evolved and has been for the last 10 years as a very serious, significant digital artist in the world. Um, yeah. that, that's his métier now. And um, very, very, very talented guy. And uh, worth, uh, you know, worth a kind of a, a little exploration of his work. Anyway. Cool. Very cool. There you go. All right. Next two, the last two picks that we have are both a bit more like product-focused, gear-focused. And the first one is by Jeremiah, the... New favorite light. What's this about? It's just, you know, uh, I'm always fascinated by the, you know, new forms of light, whether they're small lights that fit on a drone, whether they're lights that you can replace the the chipset for very, very, for your waves, for the color uh, spectrum. Um, all of these things um, in terms of light technology, we always think of photography um, in terms of evolution of cameras and lenses and digital um, processing, uh, certainly the chipsets um, and how they relate to the lenses, etc. All of these things 
Uh, we rarely think about light technology and how it's evolved. Uh, there's a company called Anthem also that's making interesting lights. All, of course, are lights that can be controlled to a great extent. I mean, much more than when I was a professional photographer. And um, I encourage uh, our, our listeners, viewers, uh, to really explore all manner of new lighting technology, because again, these things can be extremely inspiring if you're just looking to kind of move ahead. Like if you went on a walk with a, a camera and a flash and just snapped what you would think of as kind of very normal, quote, uninspired imagery. Um, think Martin Parr, think, um, I mean, we could, a litany of, you know, tablecloth shots or, you know, a flower, but with a flash to kind of delineate the hardness of the light, you'd find that, that what you're seeing on the image is very, very different, obviously, from what you're seeing with your eye. And often that becomes another form of hyper-real, another way of seeing the world and another way of getting re-inspired by photography in general. And I would say that um, I, I have a few Lume lights. They're the small little miniature lights and you can put them on tripod, little miniature tripods and they have all kinds of barn doors and you can really create a small studio with focused or diffused lighting. And combine uh, that with miniatures and you're, you're ah, all set. Yeah, you're you're golden. all set. You're golden. You're all set. Anyway, Wonderful. it's just to, again, it's just to provoke an exploration of photography using light technology rather than just camera, film, and chipset. Right. And last but not least, I brought us a pick that is by, well, it's a tool by Pixel Mac, and it allows you to compare camera sizes. And there's, there's another one, I think, that's called CameraSize.com, I believe. But this one is like somewhere deep in the, in the bowels of this website. And uh, it's, I like it more because, okay, so first of all, you can compare more than two cameras. Um, you can put like three or well, at least three cameras next to each other. You can zoom in and out. You can add things next to them for, for size comparison, like um, let me put a credit card next to them. So now we have a, 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 an easy Relative. reference or a can of a can of a, a beverage can or something. So you get a good idea. You can look at them from above, from behind. Um, and you can, this is the cool thing, you can add lenses to them. So mm, nice. Here's like here's like an OM systems and an R6, a Canon R6 and a Fuji GFX 50s compared, and you you click and you choose a lens and it goes on the camera, um, <laughs> and uh, you can see how uh, how that looks and how that compares with a lens, which I think is especially when you I don't know want to want to get an idea if that thing fits your your camera bag and how heavy it is and it, it adds everything up in uh, full below. So it's, yeah, it's, it's one of these That's tools when cool. you're out shopping. Yeah. yeah that, you know, that you, compares cameras. You know, you know, what's interesting is, is uh, I can imagine when you said, uh, you know, uh, camera size.com, how excited the, uh, the developers of that site, once they had that idea were when they actually got 
camerasize.com URL. (laughs) We were pretty excited when we got the future of photography.com, actually, weren't we, Chris? I remember. That, yeah, very, very true. Wow, it's not taken. It's not taken. Wow, okay, cool. So yeah, here, here's camerasize.com. They have, they both have their merit. They both are both are great. So um, we'll link that in the show notes, including all the other links that we have. And Good. I guess that kind of brings us to the end of this. Yeah, it was fun episode of Picks. Yeah, I, I, I like this because you know I come across so many things every week and make notes of them for the different podcasts, but just doing picks and picks and picks like that yeah and miniatures right. yeah. and miniatures and small <laughs> and lights miniatures. and yeah. just like tapped and what I'm into essex lately. and <laughs> <laughs> all right so that was it for this episode 270 of the future of photography we're online at thefutureofphotography.com we are i think we're still on the Twitter thing. Anyway, you'll find us Is on the Chris? Not call Twitter yes. anymore, Chris. And we'll be back soon. Until then, everyone, take care. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Future of Photography. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com.